Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is episode 19 of the Bowery Boys, Washington Irving and the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Bowery Boys is brought to you by Euro Cheapo. Euro Cheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at eurocheapo.com. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. If you don't hear Tom Myers, he's away here on vacation. So we'll just be doing a mini podcast uh, this week. And in keeping a little bit with the supernatural theme from last week of all the ghost stories, today's focus is on the first member of New York's literati, Washington Irving, and his classic spook tale, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. This won't be like a bio per se, but just a look at Irving and his experiences here in the city. Irving has classically been considered the first preeminent American writer, but at least in his early days, he was an extremely popular figure in New York City society as well. And his admiration, of course, for New York really extends upstate into the Hudson River Valley, as you'll soon hear. And yes, I know we're going a little bit out of bounds for a New York City podcast, I mean, the history of New York, the state, could also be an entire podcast series. But it's important to note that, you know, this city boy, Washington Irving, born and raised here, and one who then lived many, many years in Europe, made his name there, would eventually come back and would end up in Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown. That doesn't mean he hasn't left his fingerprints all over this city. At the end of the podcast, I'll tell you about a curious little place called Irving Place, which hangs off the south end of Gramercy Park in Manhattan, how it got named, and what exactly Washington contributed to it. Irving's beginnings kind of virtually scream out with a kind of uh, mysterious providence that he would eventually endowed as some of his most famous characters. He was born here in Manhattan in a house somewhere close to where like Wall Street is today on April 3rd, 1783. That's seven days before the official end of the Revolutionary War. He was uh, born to an English woman and a, a Presbyterian minister. One of, get this, 11 kids. Being named after George Washington was certainly, you know, fortuitous enough for anybody. And But if you believe legends, George Washington actually met his young namesake uh, when he was eight years old and granted his blessing upon the lad. Later, as he was growing up, he joined his family's mercantile business and briefly studied law. But Irving swiftly became a writer. Uh, he and his brothers gave New Yorkers uh, one of the earlier precursors, so to speak, to the Onion newspaper. 
a goofy and uh, satirical publication called the Salmagundi Papers, or the Wimwam and Opinions of Lausalot Langstaff Esquire and others. A Salmagundi, by the way, is a large, hugely layered salad, often filled with meat, eggs, and onions. Shortly thereafter, Irving would actually pen another satirical project, and this one would even shape New York's history. Under the pen name Dietrich Knickerbocker, Irving wrote the highly fanciful Knickerbocker's History of New York. Although it was, you know, clearly fictional, or clearly to us these today, and in fact is one of the most earliest examples of what they call alternate history, historians have claimed that it was so well known at the time that people often confused Irving's history with the real one. In particular, our perception of New York's first Dutch settlers as corpulent, almost wacky goofballs comes from this book. Irving even made up the name Knickerbocker as being one of the earliest American clans. Dozens of families have purported to trace their name back to this fictional clan. A character called Father Knickerbocker would appear much later in the 19th century and would actually be used to represent a typical New Yorker. And the name, if you haven't guessed by now, lives on today in our own basketball team, the New York Knicks. Irving frequently traveled abroad, and while in Europe, he became quite interested, actually, in old folktales. So, short of cash when he was in, living in England, uh, he began publishing short stories in English papers using some of what he had actually learned in his travels. Those would soon be collected here in the United States in a book of essays, collectively called The Sketchbook of Geoffrey Crayon. Crayon being yet another pen name of Irving's. It was that particular collection that not only gave us The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which I'll talk about in a second... But also another upstate New York set story of fantasy, Rip Van Winkle, as well as also some essays on English Yuletide traditions. This doesn't sound too exciting. However, those would go on to influence Charles Dickens when he wrote A Christmas Carol. On April 19, 1995, a federal building in Oklahoma City was destroyed in a domestic terrorist attack. Just days after the bombing, America discovered the perpetrator was right-wing extremist Timothy McVeigh, whose mindset and values are still very present today. It's an American tragedy, but one I still remember very vividly. But there is so much more to the story than what you might remember. Take a deeper look into this moment of history with the podcast Homegrown OKC. Hosted by Jeffrey Tubin and based on his book. The Homegrown OKC podcast is about better understanding the political environment in our country today. In particular, I found fascinating all the original archival footage used in the show. Sounds which brought me back to that time, but with a richer understanding of events. These episodes were thrilling to listen to. That's Homegrown OKC. To listen, search for Homegrown OKC in your podcast app. That's Homegrown OKC. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is an adaptation of an older German folktale, one that was collected in Germany in the mid-18th century. What Irving's genius with The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and his other stories was in making these fabricated environments and these stories into actual legends, like with actual historical figures. I mean, you're always a little surprised that they didn't actually happen, that they weren't actually based on things that happened in upstate New York. In fact, the story's protagonist, Ichabod Crane, and his coy love interest, Katrina Van Tassel, are partially based on real people, from the Hudson Valley area, but nothing that would 
transpire in the stories, of course, ever really happen. Now, if you were actually able to escape your childhood without reading the story or seeing the Disney animated version, here's a little brief recap. Irving actually begins the story describing the spooky and sometimes wicked history of Sleepy Hollow. I'm going to read you a little excerpt, a little quote here. The place still continues under the sway of some witching power that holds a spell over the minds of the good people, causing them to walk in a continual reverie. They are given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs, are subject to trances and visions, and frequently see strange sights and hear music and voices in the air. The whole neighborhood abounds with local tales, haunted spots, and twilight superstitions, Stars shoot and meteors glare oftener across the valley than in any part of the country. He then focuses on the meddling and superstitious characteristics of Ichabod Crane. Crane, between teaching classes of unruly students and gossiping throughout the whole town, has become smitten with the farmer's daughter, Katrina, to the chagrin of rival suitor, Brom Van Brunt. At a dinner party... With all of our main characters as guests, many ghost stories there are told, including one of the Headless Horseman, a Hessian soldier from the Revolutionary War who scours the countryside looking every night for his head. That night, as Crane leaves the party, he takes an ill-fated detour through the cemetery and walks into the path of the Horseman, who pursues Crane to a covered bridge and there tosses from his shoulders a gigantic pumpkin. The only traces of Ichabod Crane found were his horse, the saddle, and the remains of a smashed hellish pumpkin. Anyway, as you can tell, the Tim Burton Johnny Depp movie Sleepy Hollow really has very little to do with the original story. Anyway, the sketchbook featuring the Sleepy Hollow tale became an international success, making Irving the first recognized American writer. Irving mostly stayed in Europe for much of the time, stopping in Spain to pen a highly romanticized version of the Christopher Columbus story. He came back to the U.S. in the 1830s and became obsessed with the American West, and in particular, one John Jacob Astor. Astor was at the height of his fur trade industry and was starting up in Oregon. Irving's Western books did more, in fact, to mythologize the entrepreneur as much as any amount of money that Astor could make did. Irving came back to New York and the Hudson River Valley in 1835, where he built his home, this uh, gorgeous mansion, which he called Sunnyside, and he built that in Terrytown, New York, the village that's just nearby Sleepy Hollow. Washington Irving died on November 28, 1959, just a year and a few months before the Civil War started. And his final words right before he went to bed were, Well, I must arrange my pillows for another weary night, if this could only be the end. Well, by Irving's instruction, he was buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. As befits a preeminent man of the letters, he shares the ground, actually, with the remains of New York City's richest and most finest, uh, the most notorious names in New York City history, Andrew Carnegie, uh, Walter Chrysler, Brooke Astor, Harry and Leona Helmsley, William Rockefeller, uh, Elizabeth Arden, and the list just goes on and on and on. Anyway, but that takes us back down to Manhattan, where the most notable place you can get your Irving Fix here in Manhattan is Tiny Irving Place, the street that juts from the south side of Gramercy Park and ends on 14th Street. It was named in 1833 when Irving was out west, by the way. 
by Samuel Ruggles as a tribute. And Samuel Ruggles, by the way, was the an urban planner and the designer of Gramercy Park, as well as many other parks in the neighborhood. Irving Place was quite a tony neighborhood at the turn of the century, and it's still quaint. A paler shadow of uh, Gramercy sort of picturesque abodes. Today, you can find there uh, Washington Irving High School with a gigantic bust of Washington Irving out front. Down the street is one of New York's best live venues called Irving Plaza in a great big old theater that used to be a Polish dance hall. And which now, for no good reason, is called the Fillmore East Irving Plaza, but I refuse to call it that. It's the Irving Plaza. But the centerpiece of Irving Place uh, is the Washington Irving House, a gorgeously preserved home that, oddly enough, has a good sushi restaurant in the basement. I don't think Irving ever ate sushi in his lifetime, but I just might be underestimating him. I'm not sure. Of course, let's not let the fact that Irving never lived in this house get in the way of our enjoying it. Like many things about Irving, the legend merged with fact at 49 Irving Place when it was built in 1844. At that time, Irving was actually, you know, snug at home at Sunnyside. He certainly stayed in the city somewhere, but according to most reports, including most recently the New York Times, there's no proof that he ever lived here. Now, who did live here, 49 Irving Place, uh, was a woman by the name of Elsie DeWolf who is considered actually America's first professional interior decorator, which, of course, would set a standard for interior decorators in the city up to today. And, you know, the house next door at 47 Irving Place can successfully say Oscar Wilde slept here, for he stayed there during some of the performances of one of his plays that he wrote. But even though Irving never really did stay at 49, the plaque that says, Irving lived here, really gigantic, big, bold, even with a little picture of Sleepy Hollow. Well, it's so good looking that I just, I can't imagine they're ever going to take it down. If you're looking for a more legitimate Washington Irving experience, then just take a quick ride up on the Metro North. Get out at Irvington and Hudson uh, to go view the Irving House uh, Sunnyside. It's now a, a really beautiful kept museum with costume tour guides. Ooh. And the next stop up is Terrytown and, and Sleepy Hollow. And you'll definitely want to go see his grave and the cemetery next to it called the Old Dutch Church Burying Ground. For it was here that Irving sets the last steps of Ichabod Crane. And even if for some reason none of that interests you, it's fall and it's New England and it's one of the most beautiful areas you can possibly visit. And the leaves are just about to change. So I encourage everyone to sort of take a little jaunt up there if you're in the, in, if you're in the area. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to me in my, in my lonesome. Um, I hope you, I got you a little bit in the uh, Halloween spirit, if anything else. If I haven't totally bugged you with all these scary related history, visit the Bowery Boys blog this week. That's Bowery boyspodcast.com where we'll be doing a week-long feature on Roosevelt Island which is a home of a lot of potentially kind of spooky stuff including an old insane asylum a creepy ruined smallpox hospital and a beloved TV vampire that's boweryboyspodcast.com next week Tom will be back and we're prepping another kind of quote unquote real episode for you until then have a great New York week whether you live here or not see you soon 